Major League Baseball is finally back. As the new season gets underway, the Ringer Podcast Network has baseball fans covered with the Ringer MLB Show, playing exclusively on the TuneIn app for the month of April. On top of that, the Ringer Podcast Network has partnered with TuneIn to give baseball fans a free 60-day trial of TuneIn Premium to listen to every live home call from every MLB game around the league. Catch the Ringer MLB Show only on TuneIn during April, and with your premium subscription, listen to live MLB games on TuneIn. Just go to TuneIn.com slash Ringer and subscribe. Download the TuneIn app and start listening today. TuneIn, your everything audio app. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me today from TheRinger.com is Shay Serrano. What's up, Shay? What up, dude? I must tell you. Those are gunshot uh, noises. Those are gunshot. I always wanted to be introduced to gunshot noises. And I didn't do it last time you had me on, so I did it myself. You may have noticed that you were put directly on the air with me today um, because, and, and, and our listeners wouldn't know this, but you, there was no producer that talked to you today. And there's a good reason for that. The, unrelent- <laughs> the unrelenting slander that you have uh, disposed on Twitter.com for the great Tate Frazier has gotten to the point now where Tate won't even speak to you and put you directly on with me. He, in fact, he, he's even angry that I'm even having you on today. <laughs> All right. That's, that's, uh, that's fair. I suppose. He, he won't give me a podcast me. though. I just want a podcast. Why is that? He gives er- literally everybody else a podcast, but he won't even answer my emails anymore. This is what he has told me. And uh, so for anybody that doesn't know, Tate Frazier produces not only the NBA show, he's also the host of the Teed Up College Basketball Podcast. He produces Bill's Podcast. And he has told me that while Shea goes on Twitter on regular occasion, everybody always is asking you why you don't have a podcast. And you say, because Tate Frazier won't give me one. Tate told me he has offered you no less than 100 times to have a podcast of which you have no interest. Do you see this is this is this is classic Tate propaganda. He's just spinning the story. Tate hates me. I've asked him several times for a podcast. He keeps telling me no. And oftentimes it's accompanied with a racist remark of some sort. Like one time he told me I couldn't have a podcast because quote Mexicans don't understand the internet. Close quote. <laughs> What am I supposed? What am I supposed to do with that, Chris? What am I supposed to do with that? You are preposterous. What was the uh, just just out of just out of curiosity? What was the podcast you pitched? I pitched them several podcasts. I pitched them the basketball podcast right before they gave you one. I pitched them a TV podcast right before they gave Chris Ryan one. Every single they just it's never going to happen. I don't know why. Last night I was at uh, the Grizzlies and Oklahoma City game and watched Russell Westbrook fall one rebound shy of getting a triple-double, but he did hit the game winner. I mean, it's a one-point game. He stares down Tony Allen, hits a three in his face, and then it's curtains. And it just seems like now there is – it seems like there's this crazy momentum for him getting this MVP now. Doesn't it feel this way? Because he's, like, closing out these games – he did it to the magic that, you know, on that Wednesday night game, 
you're seeing these highlights over and over. He's gonna get. He's gonna end up averaging a triple double. It just seems like the highlights are gonna be too much for any of the other candidates to overcome. At least that's how it kind of feels to me. It feels that way to me too, especially lately. Just the run he's been on. Was it like seven, seven triple doubles in a row? And then the one last night at forty. What do you have? Forty-five points last night. Something goofy like that. Forty-five. And just forty-five. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I don't know. How do you stop that? You're James Harden, maybe the best offensive player in the NBA right now, watching this happen. What can you do? What else can you do besides what James Harden has done to win the MVP? Like, I I don't know. Somebody's going to be super upset, and they absolutely should be. That's, I don't know what to say. I'm fascinated by your Spurs fan, but you have not really stumped for Kawhi Leonard, though he is certainly one that, uh, some people believe should be the MVP. Kawhi Leonard is the MVP pick for people who are like, for people who say they read a lot of books when they don't really read a lot of books. You know what I'm talking about? That's what's <laughs> going on here. I love Kawhi. He's my favorite player in the NBA, but I, there's no way I can look at what he's doing versus what Harden and Westbrook are doing and say it's more valuable to the Spurs. It's just not. I'm sorry. I wish that were. I could lie. I could absolutely lie and say it, but I don't want to be a liar. I want to tell the truth. By virtue of last night, it is now going to be the Grizzlies versus the Spurs. My beloved Grizzlies, how terrified are you? I cannot wait to talk trash to you every single night in the playoffs. I'm super terrified, especially based off that last game they played when the Spurs just waxed them. They just toasted the Grizzlies. It wasn't even a game. Y'all are gonna get swept. Maybe, maybe y'all might win one. Hold on. Now. Maybe Mike Conley hey, wakes game, up. Hold on. The game went to overtime, and the Grizzlies were playing Wade Baldwin and Wayne Selden as their backcourt. Shut up. Correct. Give me a break. That's waxed, in my opinion. That's toasted. Anytime the Spurs win the game, the other team got toasted. It don't matter if they win by one point, forty-five points, toasted. <laughs> you know, in two thousand eleven. They ripped your beating heart out of your chest and threw it on the ground and then urinated on it. And it's six I, years I, later. Six years. I wasn't watching basketball in 2011. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll, <laughs> I'll look it up later on. But at the time, I was not a basketball so, fan. So we are going to have the Grizzlies and the Spurs, which they'll probably put on like the sci-fi channel or something. Um, the, other <laughs> one, the other one that is, I mean, who is going to, who is interested in that? Like big time. Only like, you and me. Only you and me. You and me. But what also took place last night because of uh, because of the Oklahoma City win, the Memphis loss, is that we have all but determined it's it looks like it's going to be Houston, Oklahoma City. So we're going to get the Harden Westbrook matchup in the first round, which yeah, it's going to be great. That's going to be insane. It will. It will be insane, and and I think it's going to be closer than people are uh, anticipating. I, I would guess that the Rockets end up winning in six, maybe five, but I think that games are going to be. They're going to be rock fights. And you know Westbrook, he ain't dicking around. Like, he's coming for the throats. All he needs is, like, two other guys to show up. And we got ourselves a super series. But I really hope that the the Rockets win. Because Rockets first, second round, that's what we get. He'll get a couple – he'll probably win a couple games by himself. But as I was watching them last night, I was thinking, if they, they, if they are to match up with Houston, you got to think it's going to take – 115 to win the games, right? On average. Right. 
Okay, so let's let's pencil him in for forty. Let's say he averages forty. Which would be, <laughs> all right, that'd be crazy. But let's just say he averages forty. He's still got to right. get seventy-five somewhere else. And I'm looking right. up and down that roster, and I'm like, all right. I mean, like it feels like either Oladipo or Cantor, one of those guys has to have like a monster series because it's hard to it's hard to look up and down that roster and go, all right, where did the other seventy-five come from? Like on average, uh, uh, you know, in order to win four out of seven. And so I just, I don't know if they got enough scoring to be able to keep up with the Rockets game in, game out. No, of course they don't. You got, okay, so that's how good Russell Westbrook is where you say, we'll pencil him in for 40. And I'm just like, yeah, you're probably right. He's probably going to average 40 this year. But Steven Adams is going to give you like six or eight if he gets really hot. Hey, so we're hey, so Cantor, we're to forty six. We're to forty six. We're to forty six. Cantor's Cantor's good for fifteen, maybe if they let him play. All right, so now so we're, we're up to six, sixty one. All right, Roberson Roberson's good for two. Sixty three. I'm like, if if he gets four points in a playoff game, they should do the graphic where they show the ball on fire every time he shoots it. After that, <laughs> that's how I think they should they would improve showing Thunder games on TV. Remember when they used to do that with hockey, where they would light the, the puck up during the actual game? Do that with Thunder games when Roberson chooses. Just put the ball on fire. Uh, yeah, who else is out there? Oladipo, Dougie, Taj. I don't know. Taj is a, Taj is a playoff performer. That's my that's my dark horse pick right there. He's gonna he's gonna average 18 points this this first round. But I don't know where the rest of the points come from. I don't think they can beat the, the Rockets. Well, they don't. You know what? It's actually I I know you're kind of goofing around. They don't have a big front line, Houston. You know what I mean? Like the idea they that don't. Todd Gibson. No, the idea that Todd Gibson could have a good series, especially when somebody's paying attention to Adams and trying to keep him off the offensive glass or whatever, that wouldn't be. That would certainly would not be crazy. They don't have a lot of brute force down there by any means. Oh, I'm I'm 100 serious about Todd. I'm very pro Todd Gibson. Ever since he dunked on Dwayne Wade, remember the dunk he had on him in the playoffs? <laughs> Ever since then, I'm I'm very pro Todd Gibson. That's great. So that's going to be the playoff series, so it looks like. It seems like that was kind of hashed out in the NBA last night. The other thing that was hashed out was LeBron James played against the Boston Celtics, and while the Cavs have been reeling, they've been bad defensively, A, before the game, LeBron's being asked about the game, and he said, I've been to six NBA finals. Don't ask me about a regular season game, which is – so he was—he clearly—he was clearly already a bit miffed before the game even started, and then he put his stamp on. Right, he had thirty-six points, and they—they they just wiped out the Celtics last night. Do you think that was like a a big statement? Should we make a lot of what took place with the Cavs and the Celtics? Absolutely. Everybody who's watched basketball for like at least the last forty years knew that as soon as LeBron said, "I've been to six NBA Finals," don't ask about a regular season game. They knew he was going to go fucking nuts that game because that's just what he does. He he's super just fantastic at putting doubt into the other team. He wanted them to think like he wasn't even trying for that game, and he just came out there and was breaking necks. He did the same thing in the in the finals when they, the year they lost to the Warriors, and he was like Matthew Dovadova is shutting down Steph Curry. That's absolutely the reason Steph is struggling. Like he's very good at at playing those sort of games. Yeah, that's that was a big moment last night, and the the Celtics, 
my beloved Isaiah and Crowder and Jay, they 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 crumbled. It was very sad to watch happen. They're gonna everybody everybody at this stage is gonna lose to the Cavaliers. Most everybody, but nobody was expecting for that to happen. But Boston made a lot of that. It felt like that that was not just like another regular season game. Like you know Boston no. went into that really wanting to win and them try to make a statement going like somebody was gonna be making a statement heading into the playoffs and damn man. Like I I've been was- on the train of, hey, maybe something really is wrong with the Cavs and maybe they're not going to be able to just mow through everybody. But then you see something last night and you're like, Oh God. Like maybe they can just flip a switch. It's inevitable. LeBron will be in every NBA Finals until he retires. That's what it feels like. <laughs> like who beats him? Nobody beats him. It would have to take it. I, I, I mean, it would have to take some crazy stuff happening. That's for sure. Because none of these other teams, you know, I know Chris Ryan wrote about this this morning. He was like, Celtics, this is why you go get Paul George. And I do think you watch last night, like, man, maybe they should have given up a King's Ransom to get somebody else in their lineup because it doesn't feel like any of those teams are strong enough to really consider after you watch what happened to Boston last night. Like, no, really you know what was, great about the, what was great about the game last night when I was watching it? I thought that they, that the Cavs right there showed the difference between being a team that thinks they're good, like the Celtics, they're pretty good and they think that they're good, versus a team that knows they can destroy the other team. Because all that the Cavs did, they were like, all right, cool, let's put Isaiah Thomas in 45 pick and rolls in a row and see what happens. And they just pulled the legs off of the Celtics. Off of the Celtics, that it was. It was. I love the Cavs, man. I love LeBron. I'm just, I'm, I, I don't know. It's sad. <laughs> it's sad, though. Other story that came out yesterday was uh, the report that James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks, was in a verbal altercation outside of Madison Square Garden on Tuesday, and he admitted calling <laughs> that fan an asshole. It says uh, the Knicks owner told Deadspin, which first reported the incident, that he got into a verbal spat with fan Mike Hammerski on Tuesday in response to Hammerski yelling at him, sell the team, Jim. And uh, James Dolan uh, told Deadspin.com, I did call him an asshole because he is an asshole. Okay. (laughs) So now, all right, I almost feel like in this particular story, we need to set aside our previous thoughts on James Dolan, or maybe we just can't, right? Is it possible that that guy was really an asshole and deserved to be called an asshole? It's probably possible. I don't, I don't know who the, the other guy was, but you, if you're James Dolan, you got to know that you're James Dolan, and anything you say is going to be like, nope, that's James Dolan. No, thank you. So I'm going to side with the other guy. Even though I have no information about any of this, I'm siding with not James Dolan, whoever he was. Okay, so he, but what if what if we switched it though, and it was somebody else? Let's say it was your beloved LeBron James, and LeBron uh-huh. James said, uh, it "Doesn't matter, LeBron, you're still a sissy or whatever." <laughs> you know, like is it's right. not a boss. Then Boston turned to the guy and said, "You're an asshole." <laughs> would you side with LeBron, or do I you, would side with Le, with LeBron? Yeah, LeBron could be. They could be like talking about my son. And LeBron's like, your son's an asshole. And I'll be like, yeah, you're probably right. You're right, LeBron. Like, I'm siding with LeBron there. So the point is, so the point is, we just wouldn't side with James Dolan no matter what. 
No matter what. There's no. nothing that especially no. after he did the Oakley thing, right? The Oakley thing this year. Well, for, oh, okay. Actually, there's a couple of things. A, he's run the Knicks into the ground, and they've been a dreadful franchise forever, and yet they're worth a bazillion dollars. And then B, you have the you know the stuff where he hired Phil Jackson and the Carmelo stuff that is allowed to go on. Then you remember that whole contentious email chain he had in 2015. <laughs> he told he told a fan to start rooting for the Nets because the Knicks don't want you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and then he I'm had yeah, and then he banned Oakley, right? So, so he's James Dolan. I can come home from work and my house is on fire, and James Dolan is like, "Shay, your house is on fire," and then I would just be like, "No, it's not," and I would just go inside and burn, just because it was James Dolan. I wouldn't believe him all the way past anything. I'm out. I'm out on James Dolan selling my James Dolan stock. Earlier this, uh, or I guess it was last week, we have not spoken since you put out the personality quiz uh, for uh, the NBA, where you had a an article where you could go through it and you would answer a series of questions and then you would end up with who you are um, in the NBA. I will tell you, I took the quiz and I ended up as a cult hero. I think it was Dion Waiters, I believe, was the pitch. Dion, yeah. So I, but in the article, you never tell what you ended up on your own personality quiz. Uh, that's because I invented the quiz, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I, what I got. I don't know. We want to know. I would just cheat. I would just cheat if I took it. Then I'm gonna, I'm, I got LeBron. I got, I got the coolest pick. That was me. So you did me. this. You did this in my like when you're writing out the personality quiz, you're doing it so that you know that you would end up with the best one. Oh, no, no. When I did the personality quiz, I talked to like four of my buddies who work at Harvard. We used a Harvard supercomputer. We went through a bunch of personality traits, and that's how we got the answers for everything. This is a very serious, very – I worked on it for like four months, and then what are the we names finally got your, to put it out. What are, what are the names of your four buddies that work at Harvard? Uh, Tony, Tom, Terry, and uh, – Trisha, the four T's is what we call them. We grew up together. <laughs> where, 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 that doesn't sound like kids you grew up with. <laughs> well, when they went to Harvard, they all changed their names to like white sounding names to get ahead. <laughs> they're, they're all Mexican. Originally, it's Antonio, uh, Terrius, Triselda, and Tomas. And they just changed them. You see the thing where the guy was like, his, his his resume said Jose, and he wasn't getting any calls back, and then he changed it to Joe, and he got calls back. Like, that's what happened here. The Fortis. I love them. Shout out to Fortis forever. What was your original name before Shay? Uh, Esteban. Esteban? Yeah. Esteban Serrano? Or was it, was it and different? I had, to, I had to change it. I was like, oh, what do white people like? Oh, white people like baseball. Uh, what's the thing in baseball people like? Oh, Shea Stadium. Boom, Shea Serrano sounds like Shea Stadium. I started getting emails back from editors. That's how I got in the game. Did you tell, you tell, and you told them you were named after Shea Stadium. I did. I said, what, my, we're a baseball family. Me and my dad, we go to the games every day. And then I, that's, that's how I became a writer. <laughs> that's the story. And then, and then you showed up <laughs> at the office and they're like, you're not Shea. You didn't go to baseball <laughs> games with your dad every day. No, nope, man. It was too late, though. I was already in. 
Esteban Serrano. That's who's joining me on the NBA show today. Why did you write a love poem to Gordon Hayward? That one happened. I, I was clicking around on YouTube and I just happened across some like Gordon Hayward um, grooming video. It was a story on, on like a local Utah news channel and they were talking to the guy who cuts his hair. And then I just started looking at Gordon Howard stuff, or Hayward stuff and it's like, He's been incredible this season. And then I read the story that, that Kevin O'Connor wrote, the notorious KOC, and he wrote about how great Gordon Hayward has been, and I was, I was just reading through all that stuff, and felt like it needed to be done. Not enough people were talking about Gordon Hayward, so I want to say his name. This is going to be like the big moment for him, I think, because he hasn't been in the playoffs, and now we're going to see him. I mean, Paul's been on fire. Blake's been on fire. They're averaging like a combined – 60 points together these last couple of games. They look like they were, you know, in some kind of a mode um, in unison. They ended up beating Dallas uh, last night, so they got another win last night. But it looks like it's going to be Utah and the Clippers facing each other. And, like, there's always the, you know, the first time a guy is in a playoff series, when he's in that spot, pressurized. Obviously, Utah is not on national TV much at all. Yeah, I, th- I f- kind of feel like it's either going to be uh, – it's got a big chance of being Hayward's coming out party, right? That's what my fingers are crossed for. You yeah. got. You have to assume the Clippers will give Gordon Hayward a chance to win a game or two at the buzzer, and I just want to see what happens. Where would you say Gordon Hayward ranks on your favorite white people list? At the moment? Yeah. At the moment, he's he's number four. He's number four on my favorite white people list. Behind? Behind, it goes um, Paul Newman. But I'm, you know, not deceased Paul Newman. We're talking about Cool Hand Luke Paul Newman. We're talking about a time okay. capsule. All right, so here, here, hold on. Let me let me put this list together. All right, so Shea Serrano's list of white people. We've got Hayward at four, but uh, the three ahead of him are alive Paul Newman. We're just going to pretend he's alive. Okay. Paul Newman, uh, Reese Witherspoon from <laughs> A Big Little Life. Reese Witherspoon, she's a number two. She jumped up a lot. She was like in the 40s before and shot up the chart, shot up the white people chart with her performance in Big Little Life. She's a phenomenal TV show, by the way. Uh, number three, I'm going, this is, this is a bit unconventional, but I'm going uh, Michael Rappaport doing a Chris Mullen impression. Because I feel like if we get a Chris Mullen movie, Michael Rappaport is a perfect guy to play old Chris Mullen. So that's my number three pick. And then four is Gordon Hayward. We'll round it out with five. Who's right behind Hayward? Uh, Jesus. Was Jesus white? If we're he counting Jesus the, as white, like he, he is when you go picture. to church. In the picture. Okay. In the pictures. And the pictures. Picture Jesus is my fifth pick. He's three. He's three spots below. And, and, and in fairness, it, in fairness, it probably, <laughs> if, in fairness, it probably depends on the home um, with the picture. Yeah, but. because in my home, he's Mexican. He's Jesus. Jesus Cristo. I'm looking at. I'm looking at a, a, a giant rosary of him right now on my very, wall. Very, very interesting that you did not have either uh, Bill Simmons or Stone Cold Steve Austin on this list. Wow. Six and seven. They were six and seven. <laughs> they were seven. <laughs> if Bill would have got a cameo on Big Little Lies, he would have shot up there too. 
But, you know, Reese is a powerhouse. Understood. Gordon Hayward, uh, Esteban Serrano's fourth favorite white person <laughs> on earth. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, in honor of Russell Westbrook having a chance at breaking the triple-double record that has been held forever by Oscar Robertson, we are going to give you our three NBA records that we want to see broken. We'll do that after these words. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the job sites, and now you can. ZipRecruiter has over 9 million resumes you can search through on their database. You can add multiple people to your account to make it the most efficient for your team to find the best hire. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out why ZipRecruiter's been featured in Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, New York Times, TechCrunch, CBS, and why it's been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. One more time. Try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ringer. All right, Shay, as you know, Russell Westbrook has a chance of breaking the triple-double record. It's crazy when... When I brought up this topic about the most unbreakable, or not rather unbreakable records, but rather uh, records we want to see broken, um, if you type in unbreakable records, because I used that as a reference point, Oscar Robertson's <laughs> <laughs> triple doubles is actually on the list of like anybody that can Google this can go and look up like NBA's most unbreakable records. When people do like, you know, BuzzFeed list or slideshows on Bleacher Report or whatever, it's all got. Nobody will average a triple-double or have this many triple-doubles in a season. So we've obviously proven that one of the so-called unbreakable records in the NBA is breakable. Um, But we've got to come up with three others that we actually want to see broken. You want to start or you want me to? Let's go. Let's alternate. You go first. All right. I want the all-time scoring record to be broken. Um, And the reason – I think, you know, the top two scorers of all time – are Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Karl Malone. And I find them to both be intensely boring figures. Um, and the NBA is, like, cool and exciting. And, like, every, I, 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 having those two guys as, like, the guys that scored the most. Like, I'm bored even talking about them right now. Um, <laughs> LeBron, like LeBron James is, right now, he's seventh. And he needs... Like, Dirk, Dirk's on the list, obviously, he's very high, but he's 8,000 points away. He ain't getting 8,000 more points. LeBron is seventh. He's 10,000 away. And he's been scoring roughly 2,000 a year or thereabouts, and we will do it again this year. Um, so I think he's got, like, I mean, if he's 10,000 away, how many, how many awesome years do you think LeBron has left? And don't joke and say 20. He has, he has three unstoppable years and then you know he's, he's walking downhill after that okay so we got three unstoppable that'd get him six thousand more points or about, right, right around between five and six thousand mm-hmm. he'd still need five to six thousand more after that yeah i don't think that would happen you don't think so but it would be cool to see you know you know you know what i, what I when you ask me this question i'm thinking about it i i want 
similar to what you're saying, I want an exciting thing to happen, but that's not like that's a, a gigantic and historical thing, but it takes a really long time to get there. When I'm thinking about records, I want to watch be broken. I want that quick burst, that flash of brilliance. So my pick, my number third pick, uh, let me let me see somebody break Clay Thompson's 37 points in a quarter. I want a record where I can watch the whole thing on YouTube and, and just relive the whole moment. I don't want to have to watch 20 years of LeBron playing basketball <laughs> to see him. to see Because you know when he breaks, it's not going to be like an exciting – it's going to be a jumper. It's going to be a hook shot in the lane or a putback or a free throw or whatever. But I want to see somebody catch fire and put up 40 points in a quarter or whatever. That's That would be – I would love to see that one. I like when it's just like when, you, when you're halfway through it and then everybody all of a sudden is talking about it. Like, make sure you're watching this. Make sure you're watching this. I, I want to see that one get broken. Okay, I don't know good. about who, though. No, no, to your point. To your, well, you had written the article about the – well, hell, De- Devin Booker might could do it. Hell, a guy yeah, at 70 might, in a game. He might be able to do it. But I, that's the one I want to see. Because you have to get insanely hot to break that record. And uh, you're going to have to hit a bunch of shots in a row. And that's always really exciting when you get to, like, five threes in a row, six threes in a row, and the place is just rocking. Even if you're on the road by that point, people are going nuts already. Doesn't it so, devalue it, though, if it happens again so quickly? Don't you want something that's, like, been around for a long time? No, I don't need that. I need to be excited, man. I'm not trying to watch somebody break Jose Calderon's free throw record for a season or something. I want to see I want to see buckets. That's what I want to see. The one time that it would be good on the Calderon thing is if somebody had like a bazillion attempts in the season and never missed one. Like if James Harden went to the line, I don't know. 400 times, or actually more than that, right? Say he went to the line, I don't know, uh, you know five, 600 times in a season, and he still hadn't missed. Like, at that point, that would that's the only way the free-throwing thing could be interesting, is if you had somebody uh, but, but, hit. But, yeah, but you still have got to get through 250 free-throws in a row before it becomes exciting. I think you're right. And I, you need two minutes of Steph Curry going nuts before it's exciting. So give me that one. All right. I uh, To your point on the whole, we could flip it on on League Pass and turn it on. I want yeah. Scott Skiles' record being broken. The 30 assists in a game. 30 assists? Yeah. That'll be good. Because I, I just don't I don't like him. And don't you ask like me Scott why. You like Scott Skiles? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know why Skiles I don't is, like him. He's number eight on my white people list. How dare you? He's not number you're not eight. Like- <laughs> I, I dare he, you not like Scott Skiles. I think it's because he kind of let me down. I mean, I I loved him. I thought he did like this crazy job with that Bucks team that made the playoffs. The whole fear the deer, that whole run that they had. They were right. a fun, fun playoff team, and I really liked him then. But for whatever reason, over the course of the last couple of years, I didn't like him as much. And then like just seeing him hold that, like he's not an all time great, right by any means. And so I guess there is something kind of cool about a non-all-time great holding a record like that, but, I mean, do you know how friggin' hard that's going to be to break 30 assists in a game? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's outrageous. He, I, think they, I think they scored 155 in regulation in that game. And, and really? So, oh, that's, a, that's a stat right there. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that, that would be a good one. I like Scott Skiles, though. Scott Skiles, he's an intimidating dude, but he looks like a very, like a very righteous kind of guy. Like he, but him and I probably have very similar political beliefs. Like, you, I, I know Scott Skiles didn't vote for Trump. That's what I know when I look at him. So, I believe in Scott Skiles. I, don't be, that, I, I agree. That would be a good one to watch, to watch get broken. Because who's going to do it? Who, who I, don't, that record? I, I don't agree. I don't agree with you on the whole. I don't agree with you on, on, on the whole. You know, you no. I don't. I don't. I think Scott's. Here's. What, I think Scott Skiles wants the most amount of his income possible, and so <laughs> that's what he strikes me as. That he would forego every other thing, human rights and everything else, if you told him, "Here's what your check will be if this guy's president. Here's what your check will be if that guy's president." Like I kind of feel I, that I way. think the, I think the other way. I think Scott Skiles would willfully donate a portion of his paycheck for like after school programs. That's who Scott Skiles is to me. But let's get Scott Skiles on the phone. Call him up right no, now. No, you know what's gonna happen. Somebody on Twitter is gonna say somebody on Twitter is gonna send me like all of these charities that he's involved in or something. I hope I hope that that happens. Please come through for me, Twitter. Wasn't he the one that was profiled as like having a bunch of kids? You remember like it, uh, like. Yeah, I think so, man. I'm pretty sure. I I honestly don't know anything about Scott Skiles other than he had 30 assists in a game and what his face is like. Those are the only no, no, two no. things I know about Scott Skiles. Okay, here we go. How about how about this one, all right? Here we go. I just found it. All right. Um, he was profiled in the whole Here it is. Uh, here's a here's a story that was done by Complex. It is the Big Papas. And it is about athletes with several children. Right? <laughs> oh no. Oh, listen Scotty. to this. Hey, listen, a uh, number of kids, uh, six, six kids. He said, Skiles is even on the list, or that dude actually has some ballers beat in the illegitimate kids category with six. There's no oh, word Scotty. on how many baby mamas there are. How about that? Scotty Skiles was getting it in. He was getting it in during his playing days. I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> Therefore, back to my point, his money is split up several different ways, Shay. Or Esteban. All right, you might you might Whichever have a point. You might Whichever have a point. All right. Next record you want to see broken. Uh this is a personal a personal one for me. Uh there's never at any point in the history of the NBA been a time where an NBA team had more than one Mexican player on it. I want to see that record broken. I want two Mexican players on a team before I die. I need to see that happen. And I should point out here, I should point out that I, this is not a stat that I researched at all, but it's a stat that I know 100% is true. This would be like if I said, I want to see somebody get 75 assists in a game. Like, I didn't research that, but I know it's true. Same as I know. Never been two Mexicans on an NBA team before. I want that to happen, Chris. I want, it, I want Mike Breen to say during a game I'm watching on TV, like, oh, Ramirez passes to Hernandez. Like, I want that to happen so bad. I almost fell out of my chair right now when I said it out loud. It's the first time I've ever heard it. I need that to happen. Forgive me because I do not, um, I do, I do not have a tremendous amount of knowledge about Mexican basketball players. The first one, like, Eduardo Nara, he was Mexican, right? That's the GOAT. That's the GOAT Mexican basketball player. He's in the league for 11 years. He played in, like, 600 games. After that, it's like... Jorge Gutierrez, and he played in 70 games or something. 
like as far as just straight up Mexican players. Devin Booker is actually a quarter Mexican, so I'm claiming him. I'll claim him as as one. But there haven't been many. I mean, there there are several Latino players, but I want to. You can't count a quarter. I'm counting a quarter. When he scored seventy points in a game, I was like, "Fuck it, Devin Booker's Mexican." Even if he had only. <laughs> can white can white can white people claim can white people claim half black and half white? Absolutely not. Y'all got enough. You got you're fine. You're fine, Chris. <laughs> you don't need to start taking other people's stuff off of their plate. Yeah, like Gordon Hayward. I'm just talking basketball. We're not talking the whole world. Here. <laughs> All right, we got Gordon Hayward, Kevin Love, and like Doug McDermott. I don't know. I don't know. That's a that? solid. That's a solid three. That's a solid starting three right there. There, there are no Mexican players in the NBA right now, with the exception of my beloved Devin Booker, whose mom is half Mexican, which makes him a quarter Mexican. I'm, I'm claiming him though; he belongs to us. Well, just give him, give him a, a Mexican first name. Uh, Devin, Devin is fine. Devin's fine. I, when I was teaching, yeah, when I was teaching, I had two Mexican kids named Devin, so it's fine. He's good. He's good where he is. No, oh, okay. it's not a traditional Mexican name. It's like a new age Mexican name. That's like new third, age. fourth generation Mexican name when you're you've blended all the way in. He's officially blended in. He's like a my, covert agent. My my last one is also a big picture one, uh, much like yours. How you want to see two uh, Mexican guys on one NBA yeah. roster? Um, I want to see, and I think this is possible now, given the success of. Isaiah Thomas, uh, maybe Berea, and a couple others. I want to see somebody smaller than 5'3 in the NBA. Muggsy Bogues Bogues has had this record for a very long time, Shay. Very long. Yes. And you think how small Isaiah Thomas looks out there. Like, people, go look up Muggsy Bogues on YouTube. All right, he is like six inches shorter, at least listed. So if we're just going by listed height, he was six inches shorter than Isaiah Thomas, half a foot shorter. And given, right. you know, given now that like all these kids shoot all these threes and are crossing over and you can't really put your hands on guys, which it would be very difficult to put your hands on a guy that's smaller than five, three anyway. Um, yeah. I, I hope that there is some, like, that's my prayer that we look up in the next 10 to 20 years there is a kid that it, that never grows higher than five foot three. I mean, the chances of this are very, very minuscule. I understand, right? Because you're being under five three. Um, I mean, that's tough to do anyway. There's not a huge percentage that would be uh, that small. I wouldn't think, much less then be one of the best. <laughs> hey, a you have to be under five three. B you have to be one of the best four hundred and fifty basketball players on earth. And yeah, that's a. I don't think that one's ever going to be broken. That, you don't. That's a great. That's a great. That's a great call right there. Muggsy Bogues was super bad for my confidence because I would before I'm on I'm five seven, so I was always like, oh, if I was just a foot taller, I'd be in the NBA definitely. And then here's fucking Muggsy Bogues, who yeah Isaiah Thomas Isaiah Thomas is taking Muggsy Bogues into the post like that's his game plan for the first time in his life. Yeah, I don't, don't think, you yeah, think that's a, that's don't a great think- call. Yeah, but don't you think because of Thomas and maybe so, and then uh, and and the amount of guys that shoot threes and everything now that right, like I don't know, I don't know when you quit 
uh, basketball, and I'd still play, and I play for fun. I play in intramurals in college, whatever. But in terms of like playing competitively, everybody else keeps growing, and then you stop. If you're guys uh-huh. like us that are short to average height, right, or maybe shorter than average height, you're just like, all right, it ain't happening for me. But maybe like short kids will keep on playing now. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> right? Like, that would be, be pretty. Like, that would be pretty great to see. Yeah, so that's that would be great. Isaiah Bloods Thomas is, is like the Martin Luther King for short people. Is that what you're telling me right now? <laughs> like he's blazing a trail? That's a little strong. Okay, well, I was just wondering. <laughs> but that's a great record. I never would have thought of that one. I got. I, I, I would. Great job. Great job, Chris. And great your job. last one. What's your last one? My my last one. Oh, I love this record. So I I I spent like a good four hours searching through records to find one to get broken. And this is the best one that I found. And I was—I got nervous for a second when you did your Muggsy Bogues one because that's a pretty tough one to beat. However, this one is better. Um, and it's Matt Barnes, the beautiful Matt Barnes. Drove 95 miles to uh, whoop Derek Fisher's ASS in a fight. Like He drove 95 miles to fight him. That's the farthest any NBA player has ever publicly driven to fight another NBA player. I want to see that record broken. That's what I want to see. I want somebody to drive 100 miles to fight somebody else. 110 miles, even. That's uh, that's my that's the unbreakable fight record right there. You know how mad you have to be to drive 95 miles to fight somebody. Like, there's got to be a point around mile 45, mile 50, where you calm down. You're like, you know what? This is maybe not the best idea. But Matt Barnes powered through it. He powered through fifty miles, the fifty-five only, miles. The only way rolling. I could see the only way I could see that happening is if you put uh, that last Dr. Dre album. There's that. There's that. Uh, there's that song "One Shot, One Kill" with like John Connor. If you just put that, you would just have to put that on repeat for like ninety miles. You'd have. To. You got to stay. That's an hour and fifteen minute drive. You have to stay mad for an hour and 15 minutes. I've never been mad for more than like four minutes. That's an hour and 11 minutes longer that I would need to be mad to make that drive. I don't know. I don't know who, who could ever do that besides Matt Barnes. He's the Will Chamberlain of fighting. So break that record. Somebody. Nobody will. He is Shea Serrano from the ringer.com. Formerly Esteban Serrano. Um, <laughs> You know, ever since you said that, all I think about, and I don't know if you're going to remember this. Do you remember there was that infomercial with the guy Esteban, and it was like a guitar guitars by Esteban, and he would like play this like classical guitar. I watched this infomercial like a thousand times. You could probably find it on like YouTube, but there was a guy named Esteban, and like you could buy the guitar, and instead of like I don't know, instead of like uh, you know Gibson or some kind of uh guitar brand like that was on where uh, <laughs> right it said it said Esteban on the guitar and it was this guy who had like these super long fingers but he played classical guitar he didn't like play it with a pick you do you know what I'm talking about at all I, I, I feel like you're making all of this up right now <laughs> no, no. go type in like uh, guitars by Esteban or something there was an infomercial it was on like every day during my youth and now that's all, all right. I think about when you said that was your name, was the guitar guy, I'm on, Esteban. I, I went to YouTube right now. I've typed in guitars by Esteban in the search engine. There's, there was no autofill. Like, it let me get all the way through with no autofill. 
So the case is not great for you. Wait, is the uh, infomercial not up? It, it's really not so. on there? I don't think what? No, they've, they've, they're different guitars by, uh, like, actual Esteban guitars, but I don't know that any of these are an infomercial. I'm pretty sure you just made it up. No, I did not just make it up. <sighs> did you grow That's up a... in Memphis? Huh? Did you grow up no. in Memphis? No, I grew up in uh, New York and St. Louis. Type in EstebanMusic.com. <laughs> okay. How did you end up, like, the voice of the Grizzlies? So I went to, uh, I, all right, so I grew up in New York, St. Louis, and then when I was eight, or I'm sorry, moved to moved from New York to St. Louis when I was eight, and then I went to high school in St. Louis, and then post-high uh, school I went to college in Tennessee, um, and then I ended up in Memphis because it was the closest big city. And and I moved here the year that the Grizzlies started. So, I mean, like I was here on the very front end. I got you. And we're going to beat right. the hell was- out of the Spurs. That was not nearly as exciting a story as I, as, as I was anticipating. Yeah, so. <laughs> sorry. Maybe next time. <laughs> actually, actually, I was I was actually um, I was in the CIA and I had a much different name and I was a now. Um, now we're talking. Bas- You're Esteban, I was basically like Esteban higher, Vernon. <laughs> higher, yeah, my name was Esteban Vernon. Vernon. <laughs> I was kind of like a hire for kill guy. And like I had an assignment in Memphis and it went all wrong. And so I've just kind of been, I took on this different name and started talking about basketball. And you ended up in podcasting. <laughs> yeah, the internet's in incredible, man. It's yeah. incredible. So, hey, did you pull up EstebanMusic.com? Yeah, I see the guy you're talking about. Yeah, I apologize. Very long fingers. You're right. <laughs> Esteban Serrano, we'll talk to you down the road. Uh, In fact, we'll have to talk to you during the Grizzlies and the Spurs, that's for sure. Yeah, hit me up after game two when it's 2-0 Spurs, and we'll we'll go over everything. How dare you. Me and Tate will be coming (laughs) for you. Me and Tate Tate Frazier will be coming for you, that's for sure. Tate Frazier, a.k.a. Hate Frazier, a.k.a. Snake Frazier. Tell him I said hello. I'll talk to you all later. All right, see you, Shay. Let's go do it for another NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Today's NBA show brought to you by TuneIn. Major League Baseball is back, and as the season gets underway, the Ringer Podcast Network has baseball fans covered with the Ringer MLB show playing exclusively on the TuneIn app for the month of April. On top of that, the Ringer Podcast Network has partnered with TuneIn to give baseball fans a free 60-day trial of TuneIn Premium to listen to every live home call of every MLB game around the league. Catch the Ringer MLB show only on TuneIn during April, and with your premium subscription, listen to live MLB games on TuneIn. Just go to TuneIn.com slash Ringer and subscribe. Download the TuneIn app and start listening today. TuneIn, your everything audio app.